This is the Collective Resistance Podcast, and you're listening to your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. Fabiola. Hi, Leo. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I feel like I can't hear. Are, can you hear me good? Because I can hear you good. Okay. I feel like I need an adjustment here. Okay. All right. Okay. It's not coming through my headset. Fantastic. Maybe it's this crappy headset. That <laughs> I'm, you're using mine and then I'm using yours. Okay. Well, so where we're at tonight is we kind of want to, uh, I mean, believe it or not, we want to come back to COVID. Oh, my God. Oh, we, my God. <laughs> we took we took a slight break from that last uh, uh, episode, but we are coming back to it because uh, it's really becoming a big topic again, the election and post-election uh, extravaganza <laughs> has kind of died down. We had a presidential inauguration this past week. And uh, now that uh, Joe Biden is in the office, uh, COVID is gone and uh, uh, <laughs> the world can heal, right? Well, yes. <laughs> not so fast. Okay. So I did want to start this out. You know, we, 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 we mentioned in the past that we're not, um, you know, huge Trump fans. We do like some of the things that uh, Trump uh, provides. Uh, we dislike a lot of the things as well. But um, with Biden, I just kind of wanted to make sure. I, th- I think we need to be even here. You know, Trump, he, he took a beating here toward the end. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, here's Joe Biden. And he's been in now three days, not, not even three days, quite three days. And uh, back in October, he said... Um, we're eight months into this pandemic, and uh, I think, wait a minute, was that, yeah, that was ten fifteen. yeah. We're eight months into this pandemic, and Donald Trump still doesn't have a plan to get this virus under control. I do. And today, the Washington Examiner quoted him as saying, there is nothing we can do to change the trajectory of this pandemic in the next several months. <laughs> 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 so, um, so you know i, I thanks, think biden yeah thanks 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 joe um i think that's interesting for a lot of reasons because covid i think we were talking about this earlier it's uh, it's a political hot potato right it was used as that i mean i've spoken to even friends on the democratic side maybe if you're listening right now you know who you are and and i said you know this is this was being used this was being manipulated you know to get trump out of office and one of my friends he said i see that and i'm okay with that <laughs> and it was actually quite refreshing you know i was like okay well at least you you admit it you know and so we're in this situation now where we kind of first of all you and i wanted to bring some of the information together that yes. we've talked about in previous episodes, and we kind of wanted to do a State of the Union. Here we are in this new presidency, a new year. Uh, where do things look like they're going? What could we potentially expect? There are several different scenarios maybe on the table, so we want to kind of look at those. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to uh, mention is that literally the day of the inauguration, the WHO, the World Health Organization, uh, posted a 
a notice or an article about the fact that RT-PCR testing is uh, really not reliable at the cycle threshold counts that are being used in most tests. And that was what we did our episode number two, I think about yes. was, was the testing. And so, you know, we even predicted this, right? We did. We did. We said, I think we said something to the avail of, you know, the challenge with uh, nobody talking about the uh, cycle threshold counts is that these could be manipulated. And uh, if you're, you know, anything above 35 or 30 or 35, uh, you know, all the way up to, I think, 60 is kind of like the max you typically see. Uh, but anything above 30, 35 it has like an 80% false positive. And so uh, even Fauci in, in, a, in an interview in a lesser known uh, uh, podcast, uh, he said that anything above 35 is essentially useless uh, to uh, culture virus. And so uh, since nobody's talking about the threshold count, then that's something that can be tweaked in the background. And because it's outside of people's attention, they're not paying any uh, mind to it. Yes. And on our last episode, we were kind of speculating, okay, what was the the cycle count on the vaccine trials because the trials use the RT-PCR testing. And I wanted to just give an update that I promised uh, in respect to the Pfizer-BioNTech. Some people call it BioNTech. Other people says BioNTech. But for that, those trials, the cycle count was 44 to identify the COVID-19 cases. Samples deemed positive that require high levels of amplification. Those are That's what the cycles are. So thresholds greater than 30 to 35 are usually false positives. Um, a recent review of a COVID-19 PCR test, which was signed by 22 international scientists, emphatically stated to determine whether the amplified products are indeed SARS-CoV-2 genes, biomolecular validation of amplification PCR products is essential. So, you know, it's... And, oh, wait, this was in the Connecticut, uh, this was... Um, Let's see. It was an article. Connecticut pathologist offers to verify Pfizer vaccine efficacy for FDA evaluation. Excellent. And I will share the link in the episode notes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting about the uh, coming back to the, the, the cycle count. I mean, it, it's really interesting to me because of the fact that it can be manipulated. And uh, as we talk about the different components of the vaccine um development and the safety studies, uh, they all come back to this test, right? Because you have to check in with, you know, the people that you are testing. You have to understand, you know, how do you know this person is sick with this this disease? Uh, uh, and, and it all comes back to this test. So if you are pushing this test out, which RT-PCR is the predominant test, and most of the kits are in this 30-plus uh, cycle count threshold, then you got a big problem if you have up to 80% false positive. So when you are, you want to chime in there? Yes, because we can um, talk about specifically what are the new WHO guidelines now that the vaccine is out. And the, that's the, why the new WHO guidelines to 
Yeah, is, was that what you were talking about? Well, I was just saying, I mean, there's See, so many the, different components. How they are going to diagnose it uh, from here on out. Yeah, I mean, I'm just talking about there's so many components that use the test mm-hmm. as where they start the conversation. Yes. And, and so if, or the cases. Well, right, the cases is the conversation, yes. right? That's what, what everybody's talking about. Case, 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 case. So, so if, if the cases are, let's just say they're up to 80% off. I mean, even if we get conservative and we say, okay, they're half off. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty damn significant. Yes. Right. So, uh, it, it, I don't know how many cases we have uh, in the U.S. right now, but it's like maybe over uh, three million or something in the in the U.S. And well, and the now that to get in the country, you got to get the testing, right? So that's going to um, get the numbers up even more. And then the prophecy of the dark winter. Oh, yeah, that was another Joe Biden colloquialism. Yes. We're going to have a dark winter. A dark winter, and he says he can't do nothing about it. He's watching too right? much Game it's of Thrones. It's going to spike <laughs> the cases, but what I wanted to say was the WHO finally um, uh, admits that the COVID-19 PCR test has a problem. And I'm going to also share that link. is an article from uh, childrenshealthdefense.org. So the, it says the WHO's new guidelines, which include lower PCR thresholds, almost guarantees COVID case numbers will automatically drop dramatically around the world. This was reported while Joe Biden was being swooned into office. Sworn, sworn into office. Sworn or swoon. <laughs> it's sworn, it's sworn. Swoon is not a word. <laughs> no, no, swoon is a word. But that's what you do to a woman when that's, you're trying to court them. <laughs> well, that's the word that the article used. Previously to this, the WHO had recommended amplifications, so cycles of the PCR test to uh, to 40, uh, up to 45 to determine a positive test. We already discussed why that's a problem. <laughs> As we have discussed previously, right, the higher um, the cycle count, the uh, higher the false positives. So the WHO's new guidelines for the their guidance for the diagnostic testing for the SARS-CoV-2 states that careful interpretation of weak positive results is needed. So weak positive results when your cycle count is like through the roof. The So they talk about the, the cycle thresholds need to, uh, needed to detect virus is inversely proportional to the patient's viral load, where test results do not correspond with the clinical presentation. And what does that say? We say, okay, we have asymptomatic cases, right? So to even determine a disease that there that a disease exists, you gotta have symptoms. So this is how this is this is wrong from the, the start. How can you say somebody's sick and they have a disease when they have no symptoms? Symptoms, when a disease requires symptoms, right? So you have symptoms, you go to the doctor, he diagnoses you with X, Y, and Z. In this case, uh, you go to the doctor with no symptoms and you're diagnosed with COVID. <laughs> but, but I mean, if we just go back and we look at this and we say, if the numbers were cut in half, just everything that we're looking at cut in half. I mean, even deaths, because the challenge that we have with the deaths is, and this was reported um, over the summer, 
early summer was that you had a lot of people who were uh, dying of other things. And because mm-hmm. they had a positive PCR test, they COVID is on the uh, death certificate. And the mm-hmm. updated rules, which, by the way, were... Uh, it's it's never happened before. The the the, the uh, um, vital statistics or whoever it is has never asked uh, doctors to fill, give them specific instructions. You know, doctors on how to fill the death certificate. Doctors are init- trained how to do that in medical school, and uh, then they, uh, 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 they you know they, they know how to how to fill that out. But if if COVID shows up in that list of uh, uh, corresponding. I don't want to call it comorbidities, but you know the everything that led to the next thing to the next thing. If it's in that that uh, a chain, then COVID is the primary the primary diagnosis. Yes, I know two cases in our circle. Uh, one person in the family down here in Brazil, ninety-two years old, had heart attack. But what did he die of? COVID. <laughs> yeah. Damn Not, that COVID causing I heart know. attacks. And um, another friend of mine, um, a family member that had lung cancer. Ah. Uh, what did she die of? Well, she didn't die of lung cancer. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Nobody dies and of I that. And I mean, we shouldn't be laughing, right? But I mean, it's just so, this is so insane <laughs> that. How do you react to it? Well, but but my, my broader point is that uh, if we go back in there and we audit, because there actually are some doctors, uh, Dr. Scott Jensen and some people that he works with, you know, they've been pushing to uh, have the uh, results audited across different uh uh, state medical boards so that they could uh, see how these are being filled out. Are they consistently, uh, if COVID's in the chart, even if other things are present and and uh, uh, you know, impactful? Are they still putting it as a COVID? Because remember, th- think about this. If conservatively 50% of tests are false positive, then you've got all these people who are dying from lung cancer, from heart attacks, from all these mm-hmm. other things, but they, COVID is a, on the, on the death certificate and it's 50% wrong. So that means that you have the potentiality for a large percentage of the actual deaths to be erased from the COVID column. Yes. But let's go back to the WHO's guidelines Mm -hmm. because they do address that now. Mm -hmm. So not only they want lower cycle counts, uh, but they, they say here, PCR tests are Indicated as an aid for diagnosis, therefore, healthcare providers must consider any result in combination with timing of sampling, specimen type, assay specifics, clinical observation, patient history, confirmed status of any contact, and epidemiological information. So they want all these things now, not just the PCR test. So for sure, these cases are going to go down and then what is going to be attributed to uh, what is going to be the miracle solution to this problem yeah, and, and that was problem really in the vaccine and that was the other piece if we do see a uh, major a dramatic decrease in the number of cases uh, even though joe biden is predicting a dark winter you know, mm-hmm. uh, let, let, let's say we do ha- have... Uh, well, weren't uh, you going to play a clip about that, by the way? The dark winter? 
well, the clip about, you know. Yeah, I was thinking the, about that. I mean, let's. The uh, what the media is yeah, saying. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and throw that in here real quick. Okay. okay? Let me see if I can uh, find that here. Okay. Talking about nearly 400,000 deaths. Everybody seems worried about it. This is what that looks like in the news. The nation is nearing another horrifying milestone. The death toll in the U.S. right now is on track to top 400,000 in the next few days. The United States is on the verge of surpassing 400,000 American lives lost to the virus. Incoming CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky said that she fears that this country could hit half a million dead from the coronavirus by the middle of next month. I, I think we still have some dark weeks ahead. We probably are looking at 4,000 deaths or somewhere around there uh, per day from coronavirus in this country for the next several weeks. For every four deaths around the world, one is from the United States. That is a staggering number. Public health officials are now warning that the so-called dark winter isn't over yet. Obviously, very disturbing news. I don't want to discount those who have lost loved ones uh, throughout this pandemic. But the question really is that lingers and something that we have been covering for, you know, almost nine months now in the discussion about this pandemic is, are these all really COVID-19 deaths? So that was Dell Bigtree. Uh, that's a much longer clip. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, we have another Dell Bigtree clip that we want to put in later. So we're not going to uh, Dell you to death on this episode. <laughs> but um, uh, we we did we do thank him for that uh, little montage they put together there, just to kind of give you an idea what's uh, being put forward in the media around this. And so again, if everything that's been done is based in these tests, where the WHO has even come out and said, it's faulty, it's not correct, it's got up to 80% false positive, then shouldn't, the, shouldn't this be being screamed about on news stations everywhere and saying, okay, so how does that recalculate everything if we're pulling out, you know, 50 to 80% of the data, I'm, I'm sorry, of the numbers that uh, are in the, uh, the counters, you know, for deaths and, and uh, uh, positive uh, t- uh, cases. How does that change the dialogue about what's going on around wearing masks and social distancing yes, and everything? Yes, those, those draconian rules and, uh, rules, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit because this whole thing really started with the notion um, that we have this crazy spread of this disease, right? And we have um, the super spreaders, what they call the super spreaders, which are the asymptomatic um, people that are allegedly transmitting. They don't even know they're sick. Yeah, and they don't even know they're sick. So kids need to wear their masks too, adults, uh, in planes, and schools, um, here where we are staying with my parentals, my <laughs> parents, uh, there are signs everywhere. Okay, they live in the forest, people. Like there's trees everywhere. Uh, great air quality, right? Peep, not a lot of people live here, but they have signs across the whole neighborhood, like huge. Wear your masks. But we're going to talk about masks, but I wanted to talk about a couple studies. Um, 
that might that debunked this a little bit. I mean, not a little bit, like a lot. You know, it's starting with the uh, super spreaders. Um, there's a Chinese study. Should we talk about the Chinese study? I mean, we don't totally trust China, right? But they did have a big study uh, called a post-lockdown SARS-CoV-2 nucleic acid screening in nearly 10 million residents of Wuhan, China. And that's in PubMed. We're going to put the link over there. So stringent COVID-19 control measures were imposed in Wuhan between January 23rd and April 8th, 2020, estimates um, estimates of the prevalence of infection following the release of restrictions could inform post-lockdown pandemic management, right? Yes. Um, so this is what they found. Um, they described a citywide uh, screening for SARS-CoV-2 um, between May 14 and June 1st of 2020, all city residents aged six years or older were eligible. And 9,899,128 people, 92.9% of the population participated. <laughs> and what they found is no new uh, symptomatic cases and 300 asymptomatic cases. Uh, the detection rate point three oh three per ten thousand were identified. There were no positive tests amongst one thousand one hundred seventy four close contacts of asymptomatic cases. One hundred and seven of thirty four thousand four hundred twenty four previously recovered COVID nineteen patients tested positive again. Uh, repositive rate of 0.31%. The prevalence of SARS-CoV-2 infections in Wuhan was therefore very low, five to eight weeks after the end of the lockdown. So that was one study. And there was also a very interesting article on the BMJ, the British Medical Journal, by Dr. Claire Craig. And she's a diagnostic pathologist from the UK. And she says some really interesting things about the asymptomatic spread, she reviewed several studies, and we're going to post that link for the article in the show notes as well, the episode notes. Um, and, and it's quite interesting what she comes, you know, what she talks about, you know, some common sense things. The first reason of why asymptomatic spread makes no sense. COVID-19 is a disease, Okay. Got it? Disease. To be diagnosed with any disease, you need to have symptoms. Hmm. That sounds like a new concept. <laughs> That's very important. But, you know, there. if we go with the narrative and we base everything in germ theory, if you guys haven't heard our germ theory versus terrain theory episode, please do so to get more information on a different perspective on uh, this so-called pandemic. So, but there could be three circumstances, okay, where you could be positive but have no symptoms based on the narrative and germ theory. One is incubation period. In two to three days, uh, you should have symptoms uh, based on uh, COVID-19 uh, symptomology. Uh, two, the test could be faulty. So, you could say you're positive, but you're not, as we discussed. Um, and the third which is the most fascinating to me. <laughs> you have a virus on board, let's say, but you have no symptoms. This is what we used to call before this pandemic, 
as being immune <laughs> to a disease, right? So, that is so 2019, okay? <laughs> so you could have picked up the virus, but your body knows how to fight it. Hey, uh, can people with m- immunity spread the disease? That's the question, right? And again, before COVID-19, the answer to that was no. <laughs> <laughs> times change. Yeah, times change. But this notion of super spreaders or asymptomatic spread really um, came from a study of a nursing home in Washington, D.C. And that's where you had patients in that nursing home that tested positive but had no symptoms. So instead of going with the notion uh, pre-COVID that, okay, you tested positive, you were you were probably immune because you have no symptoms, they decided to arbitrarily arbitrarily say that no, we must have as asymptomatic uh, spreaders instead, you know, and, and there was no really no scientific basis to that claim, but that's what we went with. And that's, that's the basis for the whole, the whole pandemic. Well, and it, I, I see all this stuff. It just really makes me pull my hair out a little bit. You know, we were talking about it a little bit before the show, but, you know, there are all these uh, governors, you know, who have locked down their communities and whatnot in, in different states, you know, from California to New York to Illinois. And literally within the week of the inauguration of Joe Biden, they started coming forward and saying, uh, you know, essentially echoing uh, President Trump's Uh, what he said, you know, months ago, which was, you know, the cure can't be worse than the disease. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, they're saying we have to open up the economy. You know, it's just too big of a price to pay. And it's like, uh, hello, hello. (laughs) Haven't we been saying that? And now you've got the who coming out talking about these, uh, these PCR tests, which if you remember, we were listening to, you know, a high wire clip uh, specifically about the the uh, the test, which I think we ended up working into one of our early episodes, but um, we were listening to that while we were driving home from California, like first week in November. So here we are, you know, three months later, almost three months later from when we drove home from from California, mm-hmm. and uh, they're they're coming out and saying that this is this is uh, faulty, and we had heard that as early as. Uh, April. Remember mm-hmm. with, through the Infectious Myth podcast. Yes. So, so I mean, this is not something that people in science are unaware of. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, it's just you know, it's an inconvenient truth because it doesn't help push whatever narrative you're trying to do. So you have to ask yourself, what's going on here? Why, why is this happening? I mean, if we know that this test, even the, like we mentioned in that early episode, that the, the, the person who developed this technology, who's no longer with us, but, you know, he is on record saying that it should never be used to determine a viral epidemic. You know, uh, uh, you can't, it can't tell between a live virus and virus particles from destroyed virus. It can't do any of that. So mm-hmm. it's essentially useless. You know, that, that gentleman, Dr. Kerry Mullis said that, that, you know, it's an interesting tool because you can take a very, 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 very small amount of anything and make it measurable by amplifying it over and over and over again. And then once it's measurable, you can talk about it in me- in me- meetings as if it means something. Yeah. And so here we are now, uh, 
you know, nine months into nine plus months into the pandemic and uh, we're changing the, the rules. And so one of the things we wanted to do here was just kind of record because we don't know where this is going. Um, we're, we're wondering if, you know, in two or three months as we, you know, enter spring, maybe into early summer, are we going to start to see dramatic decreases? Obviously, if they do get these new tests out or if they're tweaking the machines that are processing the tests to do it at the lower uh, cycle count, then we're going to see dramatically lower results. And then as a result, since you're not getting positives, you're not going to have as many uh, positive cases that are uh, for deaths that -hmm. are going to get calculated. So deaths are going to go down too. Mm -hmm. So then somebody's going to claim a victory So, so the question is, is the victory going to be, uh, honestly reported as, look, we, we changed the, the diagnostic, uh, tools that we were using, or are people going to say, well, we instituted a, uh, mask mandate for all Americans or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Biden is, is talking about doing, uh, plus all this other stuff, you know, like the vaccine, right? We, we got Mm -hmm. so many more doses of the vaccine out, Mm -hmm. so that's what's yeah, we have more data now yeah yeah so so that's what's uh driven this thing down yeah. you know and 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 all the while are they going to bring this up obviously it's in the news we're not saying it's not in the news but it's if you look around you're not seeing reporters on fox news talk about cycle counts you're not mm-hmm. you're not seeing yeah you're not seeing uh, uh articles within or your friends that are um proponents of the testing of staying home or we have some well some I, I, friends I would, like that that I, post things on facebook saying like stay home make sure you don't kill anybody and, and i would venture that they might not even know that what if we if we said cycle threshold count you know say what do you think of the cycle threshold count have. and they're like uh what, what? Are you talking yeah what are you about? talking about yeah oh and, and the argument is of course well would all these people in the media be lying? Would all these scientists, I mean, they're all talking about it. I mean, would they be lying? Well, maybe, but even if they're not lying, they can be, they can be uninformed because they, they're, they're not uh, uh, paid to pay attention at the level that they need to on this, you know, mm-hmm. or, or they're saying somebody in a high place came down and said, okay, look, this is what we're doing. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you, you one of the things that was made very apparent to me, and I think I was listening to Brett Weinstein's Dark Horse podcast, and they were talking about uh, funding at uh, you know uni- medical programs and universities and stuff like that, and, and that funding, you know, getting grants from the government and everything, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't not come with strings. I mean, it has strings, right? There are you can get that funding pulled. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you take specific positions, and yes. so you know, it, it's. I think we spoke about that our last episode too. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, that does influence when there's a specific narrative being pushed, and then all of a sudden somebody wants your opinion, and you're saying, "Well, I really think something quite different," but everybody's talking about this other thing, so I don't want to look too divergent. I'm going to draw attention to myself, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it doesn't have to be that everybody's meeting in a back room. It's just that once the snowball gets a little bit big, everybody's like, crap, you know, I, I just need to become part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so 
you know, again, we don't have to go to the 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 uber um, bad conspiracies to uh, uh, to understand that that uh, people like to fall in line because they don't want to stand out. You know. Yeah. But the, we're talking about very simple common sense things, right? I mean, to have the spread of a disease, to have a disease, you gotta have symptoms. Yeah. And you gotta have controls to be able to tell, okay, these people are not sick, these people are sick. How are we going to develop testing and all the vaccines and all that uh, so that we can determine if these things we developed are actually effective? Yeah. On that note, uh, I don't remember when we were going to play that clip with Dr. Simone Gold. Uh, oh, that's not yet. Not yet. We got to talk a little bit about the studies on the mask. We got to talk about oh, this because okay. that's one of the most annoying <laughs> discussions and divides, really, between people. So there's your friends that wear the mask and they post their pictures with the mask, which. If you want to wear a mask and you think a mask works, more power to you. Protect yourself. You have the right to do that. But I also should have the right to not wear a mask if I'm a healthy individual, especially. Uh, But I wanted to talk about, you know, mask efficacy here. And we have a fantastic clip that Leo is going to play. Um, It's going to be reviewing three different studies. One is a comprehensive analysis of 50 states that shows greater spread with mass mandates. Can you guys believe it? So here is what they found just real quick. Uh, They did this study uh, May 1st to December 15th. They looked at all 50 states for mass mandates. Um, and they also this did uh, with and without. We calculated how many cases per day by population with and without mass mandates. So the states that had no mass mandate had 17 cases um, per uh, 100,000 people per day. Guess what the number was for the states that had the mass mandates. What was it? 27. Ooh. So 10 more positive cases with the mask versus without the mask. That's uh, that's intriguing. Yes. Now, do we need to play the clip or did you just basically give I us the... I just wanted uh, to give a summary. Another, um, another study that this clip's going to talk about is the Corona Children's Study. Kokai, first results of a Germany-wide registry on mouth and nose covering masks in children, which... We actually pulled our children from school um, because of the mass mandates. And so you guys are going to get to hear firsthand what the result of that study was. And there was also another study they're going to talk about incidents and secondary transmission of SARS-CoV-2 infections in schools. So all about the masks in children. So go ahead. Well, one thing I was going to mention before, too, because it came up, with a friend was that uh, they were asking me about, uh, you know, how might you go about getting like a mask exemption and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so, so we were talking about that and I said, you know, why do you, why do you need that? What's the, what's the situation you're getting into? And, and, uh, and he was saying, well, it's more because we're going to travel and we're going to be getting on airplanes. And I was like, Oh, hold the phone. Cause uh, you know, airlines are actually like zero tolerance. So even if you have a medical condition, they don't care. I mean, they essentially, uh, are saying 
that uh, you need to arrange other transportation uh, outside yeah. of uh, air traffic, or I'm sorry, air travel, uh, if you cannot wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And so... Which goes against the Department of Transportation, which is their, uh, the guidelines that they need to follow. Yeah. The, the Department of Transportation is who oversees the airlines, and they totally go against Well, and, and that really blew us away, because, yeah. you know, we traveled down here to Brazil, and that's obviously a long flight, and we've got the three children, and uh, we were kind of like, well... Uh, we called Let's the, say that we uh, consumed a lot of uh, lollipops during that trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> remember, if you're eating, you don't have to have the mask on. So <laughs> we had a big bag of lollipops. But uh, anyway, okay, so let me play the clip here. Let's see. And by the way, this is Del Bigtree again from his program, The High Wire. Uh, we do reference that a lot. It's a fantastic uh, program, and he sources everything. So we'll provide the links to these videos, and then you can see his sources for everything. Uh, that's this one. Like health measure masks. Okay. So a, a study just came out. Uh, they looked at 50 states uh, with their masks, um, their mandates. So a comprehensive analysis of 50 states shows greater spread with mask mandates. Yes, you've read that right. Uh, this was uh, from a website called Rational Ground. That's kind of a conglomeration and collection of researchers and data crunchers. And um, let's look at some of the data here. It's, it, they okay. basically put in an infographic, not to get too deep in it, but um, you, you see here from May 1st to December 15th, um, they looked at 50 states for mask mandates. Uh, we calculated, it says, how many cases per day by population with and without masks, what they found. Um, the number 17 was the number of cases per day per 100,000 people for states with no mask mandate in place. That led to 41,959 cases a day with no mandate. With the mask mandate, it was 27 per 100,000 with the mask mandate in place. That was 62,000, a little over 62,000 with the mask mandate in place. Wow. So 20,000 more total uh, with the mask mandate, which is which is absolutely shocking information. And you know, we we've heard Scott Atlas when you he know, was an it, advisor. It's, it's not shocking to me, Jeffrey, though, because I've been saying this, right? It, nobody taught us how to wear masks. We're not wearing masks the way you do in an OR, where you have somebody else scratching your face so that you don't touch your face. We don't have somebody that says, "Hey, you just touched your mask. You better throw it out." Did you see this B-roll of, of this um, this politician? Look at this guy right here. This is why these things don't work. Oh, wow! Did. Dude, he pulls his mask down and sneezes into his hand and then covers his face so again. That, that sneeze stays inside of the mask. We've seen footage of Biden do this, even Tony Fauci <laughs> himself, because it doesn't feel natural to blow all of the excrement out of your nose and face into a cloth that's going to remain on your face. So everybody's right. doing this, and he's touching it. Then he just touched the handles and the seats. I mean, I want to do an experiment somewhere in the future where we just hand out masks with some sort of, you know, uh, iridescent or glow-in-the-dark material and then go through the grocery store after everybody wore them. You would see glow finger-hand spots all over your fruit, all over your vegetables, all over the, 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 the machine that you put your credit card in because we can't stop touching our faces, which means we have got to be spreading this more when we wear masks, even if masks were doing anything whatsoever and then forget about the steam coming out that we're seeing all of the videos of steam coming out of someone's mask or when I did the uh, vape pen I mean uh, to me I, mean, you, I guess I just had to jump here and said you said it was shocking yeah maybe shocking to everybody else uh, but those that are watching the high wire um, amazing yeah uh, cool study, incredible 
Yeah, incredible video. That was very funny. Uh, it, well, the data, the people are claiming that they're following data, but acting to the con acting contrary to that, as far as our, our leaders and our health officials, when they see these, when they see this data. But let's drill down deeper and let's talk about kids with masks. Um, if anybody grabs one thing from this segment, please make it be this. Um, there was a study out of Germany. It was a registry, and they looked at kids. It's uh, Corona Children Studies. Co Kai was the registry. First results of a German-wide registry on mouth and nose covering masks in children. Um, okay, so what they found on this. On uh, October 20th, 363 doctors were asked to make entries and to make parents and teachers aware of the registry. By the 26th of October, the registry had been used by 20,353 people. In this publication, we report the results from the parents who entered data on a total of uh, 25,930 children. Wow. Now, buckle up for this one. Here's the results. The average wearing time of the mask was 275 minutes per day. Impairments caused by wearing the mask were reported by 68% of the parents. These include irritability, 60%, headache, 53%, Difficulty concentrating, 50%, less happiness, 49%, reluctance to go to school, kindergarten, 44%, malaise, 42%, impaired learning, 38%, and drowsiness or fatigue, 37%. Wow. Now, what I didn't add in here was uh, over half, 56% had disrupted uh, uh, sleeping patterns, but it says adults need to collectively reflect the circumstances under which they will be willing to take the residual risk upon themselves in favor of enabling children to have a higher quality of life without having to wear a mask. Um, in looking at the research, all the research out there, the authors write, it has been shown that the majority of infected children, especially up to age 10, develop no or only mild symptoms. In rare cases, children up to the age of 10 years develop severe courses of the disease. And this we already know. The one child and two adolescents who have died from COVID-19 had pr chronic pre-existing conditions. In Europe, children under 10 years of age rarely seem to be spreaders in this infection process. Um, it, it, it also reported in there that children developed new fears. 25% um, of them did. They were developing anxiety anxiety disorders. They were having nightmares of people without facial expressions because of the masks. Yeah. Um, and they couldn't uh, identify them. This is, you know, I saw someone write about it. I tried to grab the article before the show, but someone wrote about this and said, this is basically mandated child abuse is yeah. what we're looking at here with this with this data. I, I, I absolutely agree. And you shouldn't need a study of 30,000 children to tell you that this isn't good for the psyche of children, to not see each other's smiling faces, to be told that the air you're breathing could be dangerous or deadly. Uh, it's pure insanity, especially when we know the science has shown from the beginning that this does not affect children. And those scientists, the over 50,000 now that signed on to the Great Barrington Declaration, and, and, and Dr. Shukrit Bhakti, and many of the world-renowned scientists that have appeared right on the show all said the same thing. The one thing we know we should be doing for sure is putting these kids back in school. Let them, you know, roll in the dirt, hug each other, be normal, because that is your front line to herd immunity and you know but the question has always been like how does it affect the teachers right i mean isn't that well the kids may be okay but you know what about the teachers i guess right you know, so 
Yeah, yeah, and there's been some studies on that. I grabbed a few here, and okay. we'll just wrap this up by looking at looking at the school uh, infection rate. So, uh, it, early on in Ireland, we reported on this. This was in May. Um, there was a study of children, uh, school children in Ireland, and it says no evidence of secondary transmission of COVID-19 from children attending school in Ireland. This was published in Eurosurveillance. And they looked at six cases, so six kids that had COVID, they went to school and they contact traced uh, over a, uh, just over 1,100 of their contacts. And they found that the only, uh, there, was, there was no transmission to other children or adults within the school setting or uh, other settings. There was a religious um, ceremonies as well, yeah. but they found that the only documented transmission um, was between the adults in a working environment outside of school. So. It, but again, only six cases. That was in May. What do we have since then? So we we go to North Carolina. There was a study that just recently came out looking at North Carolina schools, and it turns out some of them did stay open. So they they studied those schools and they studied those kids and the transmissions there. And it's called incidence and secondary transmission of SARS-CoV-2 infection in schools. So looking at this, this was their methods um, from August fifteenth to October twenty third, twenty twenty. Eleven of the fifty six schools school districts participating in ABCs were open for in-person instruction for all nine weeks of the first quarter and agreed to track incidences and secondary transmission of SARS-CoV-2. Local health uh, department staff adjudicated secondary transmission. Superintendents met weekly with ABC faculty to share lessons uh, learned and develop prevention methods. So it's pretty in, pretty in-depth process. And let's look at the results. Here we go. The results over nine weeks 11 participating school districts had more than 90,000 students and staff attend school in person. Of these, there were 773 community-acquired SARS-CoV-2 infections documented by molecular testing. Through contact tracing, North Carolina Health Department staff determined an additional 32 infections were acquired within schools. No instances of child-to-adult transmission of SARS-CoV-2 were reported within schools. So just to recap, 773 in the community, 32 in the school. So wow. we have widespread community community transmission here 90, and extremely students. limited. Amazing. Right. And the teachers all did fine. No adults caught it, which is the, that sort of backs up other studies we've been showing over the last um, several months. Uh, this, I think this is all huge breaking news. And again, I think every week we do the high wire. I always feel like that should be it. That should be the end of lockdowns. Get the masks off. They're only doing worse. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, right? Is, is, we are not we've got no way to you know prove that lockdowns are the reason we are still seeing spikes but you sure would love to go back in time and say hey let's try a different approach like the approach we used since the dawn of man until this year where we let the virus just run its course we protected the elderly uh, kept them in facilities and, and took care of them for the few weeks while everybody else caught the cold and it went away. Uh, this time we stopped it from running through the population or made an attempt to. And it seems, to, you know, it seems to me that you can't fool Mother Nature, right? You can't hide from a virus. It's going to make its rounds no matter what. Uh, but these are huge studies, right? And of course, I've gotten into trouble talking about masks, and I've said before, I'm not going to let masks be the hill that I die on. But honestly, ever since I took my son and had him on this stage with me, and we put masks on and put a CO2 monitor in there and saw the levels of CO2 that they're breathing, um, it's really hard to let it go. And so then when you see those great numbers, higher infections in places where they have masks, 
It is so clear that this is the biggest disaster in science history. These morons, I have to say it, I think Tony Fauci is a moron. I think that uh, Tedros at the WHO is a moron. I'm just going to say it and because we're, we've been following their rules and not the Scott Atlases and the Guptas and the Bhaktis and the world-renowned scientists that have been so clear there is a better way forward. Hopefully, maybe Cuomo is signaling he's going to finally take their advice and move us in that direction. Thanks so much for that report. Jeffrey, awesome, awesome uh, information. Yeah, again, that's Dell Big Tree from the High Wire with uh, Jeffrey Jackson, and uh, I mean, I think that's really telling. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it is infuriating too. Yeah, I can see, I can see you stewing over it a little bit. Yeah, that we're subjecting our children. Um, and you know, you see, you, you know, our kids don't wear masks. We don't put them on. I mean, the only the only time that we've really had to put them on was there's really been two times. There's been the airplane ride down here, and then uh, we go to that one buffet. <laughs> they well, the, we went went to the play area at one of the shopping malls, and the kids really wanted to go in there. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. I remember that. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. Mm-hmm. So, which you know, they keep. The adults keep on top of the children. But this is what, what are we basing all this on? Yeah. And nobody wants to talk about it because they just want to say, because, you know, you you think of, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a barrier between your mouth and the outside world. So that has to do something. And that's the key. I want you to, I want you to hone in on that word. Something Mm -hmm. has to do something. And, and we, are in this, I mean, this actually reflects onto those governors as well. Um, you know, I was talking with another friend and, and, you know, I said, well, why do you think they're doing this? He's like, well, I think they just think they have to do something because mm-hmm. then if at the end of their term, if they can't go, well, look at the things that we did. We tried these things. We tried to do these things, but that's really not good enough. You know what I mean? Th- mm-hmm. th- this, we've got to do something because something is better than nothing. Yeah. That is bullshit. And it's dangerous, too. It's so dangerous. We just went on a, a hike the other day, and the lady said, we got to wear a mask. I'm like, we're going up a, yeah, I had a, a really I had, steep rock. I, I had a baby <laughs> on my back, you know, and it's like, it was like 100 degrees, and, and, and they're telling you, you got to wear the mask. So, but, you know, the funny part is we Well, get, the funny part is I, I asked her seriously, like, we're outside in the forest. Do you think these masks do anything she's like well those are those are the rules yeah follow follow the rule even though they make no sense follow the rules. Yeah, why are people so into being so compliant what what is the deal with that why are they so into being they don't compliant? Be shamed they don't want to be shunned because i mean there's there's there are people that are really scared out there I get it, but I mean, here's the thing. They are really scared, but... There are always people that are really scared about something. They are always information from one place. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's always going to be something, I guess, just scared. But should we move on to uh, vaccine updates? Yeah, go ahead. Where do you want to go with Talk about what's going on with the vaccine, the rollout. I mean, it's... Let me have it. War speed going full force here in Brazil. All they talk about is the 
begging for any country, doesn't matter which vaccine, you know, just send us the vaccines. They are actually talking about impeaching the the president over this, right? It, it, Give it, us the vaccine. I have to tell you that... that uh, Let's pray to get the vaccine. No, it, 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 it's crazy. It's nuts. <laughs> I mean, it, every program... I, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on another podcast, but I mean, it, it's just kooky because, uh, you're, you know, your mom, she watches like the, the, um, uh, the religious programming, mm-hmm. you know, and they're literally singing hymns about the vaccine and stuff. And it's just like, this is not a scientific discussion. This no. is not, th- this is not, does this work? To what, them, the science is settled. The science is settled. They don't even talk about it. I mean, it, it's it's really mind-numbing to th- to think you can go in and you can consume all this data and you can understand it. It's not it's not overly complicated. You know, if you're willing to just apply yourself a little bit, it, it you you can understand it, and then you can also see where policy does not line up to the science. And mm-hmm. it's it, you, you don't need a newscaster or a celebrity. Uh, to come out and tell you that these things actually work well together or not. You don't need it. You can figure it out for yourself. Mm -hmm. And let's touch on um, some alternatives before we start talking about the the really... Bad news, though. Alternatives. What? What are there? Are there alternatives to vaccines? Yes. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. Actually, but nobody's talking about it. So, so the story that has been circulating is that besides sitting in the hospital on oxygen, there's no treatment for COVID nineteen. What did Joe Biden say again? Do you want to repeat that? Uh, Besides dark winter, the try the trajectory that we're on there's nothing that can be done yeah exactly he said uh um yeah here it is this is from today there is nothing we can do to change the trajectory of the pandemic in the next several months Mm -hmm. so when you spread the misinformation often enough long enough does it become truth yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but anyways, there are other options, um, as we have discussed in our vaccine episode. Uh, treatments available, the hydroxychloroquine. In- <gasps> did you say, oh, did you say hydroxychloroquine? Oh, my did, God, you I are, did. you're a trumper. You're yeah, a trumper. Here in Brazil, you can even talk about, you're, say that word. You're but, racist. But, but let's talk about it, because... <laughs> There were a couple studies I can think of. One was published in the Lancet, which is a very presti- one of the most prestigious medical journals there are. Uh, and there was another one that was the VA study, and both of those were retracted. The VA study was like, I mean, should I call it fraudulent? <laughs> yeah, but but you know, and the, the Lancet study was reta- retracted too. So hydroxychloroquine, which is extremely inexpensive drug that has been studied and used for it has a good decades, safety record. Yeah, worldwide, uh, but during the pandemic has gotten a bad rap because of those. Those uh, studies that have been retracted. Another one, ivermectin. We talked about that one on the last but wait, episode. Hey, I, but I want to mention some. You mm-hmm. know, what's interesting about retraction is that, you know, that 
study and the story and the media swarm around it went on for, I want to say, the better part of a month, maybe six weeks. And the retraction was like a day. Yeah. So, so th- if you have a narrative that you're trying to tell, you can basically say whatever you want if you control the media yeah. because they can you can get the utility out of that statement by them uh, merchandising the the lie and then the retraction which you've got to do right as as part of your journalistic integrity you just don't uh, you don't repeat the coverage on you don't yeah. do the you don't do the tornado of, of uh, uh, repetition around it and so you know you, you've done your bit oh look yeah we retracted that but you know all people see is the 300,000 articles about how hydroxychloroquine is bad mm-hmm. and they and, and then very few people see the one article that says oh yeah we retracted those studies because the people performing them said that uh, uh, they weren't set up well and, and uh, they never should have put their name on them to begin <laughs> with <laughs> and they're also okay so those are the, the some of the drugs um, there's another drug that I can think of the name right now but uh, we give you we'll give you links for um, some protocols um, they're offered by the American frontline what, what were they called again frontline doctors Frontline doctors, yes. Um, and the other natural treatments, you know, zinc, um, we talked about that last episode, vitamin C, vitamin D, sunshine, kirsten, um, fresh air, <laughs> rest, a good diet. Prevention is your best bet against any ailment, right? Um but let's talk about, now that we talked about, okay, there are treatments, okay? We just want to remind people, okay, there are alternatives to this experimental vaccine. You know, when you say that, maybe we should just go right to Simone because she's going to she's gonna package it up very nicely. I just want to touch a yeah. few a few points, a few cases quickly. So Norway upped the number of deaths under investigation from 23 to 33. Um, in Germany, health officials said they are investigating, t- investigating 10 deaths that occurred among elderly patients who received the vaccine. The BMJ uh, and other new outlet, news outlets reported last week that in Germany, the Paul Ehrlich Institute, is that how you say that, his name? I don't know, I'm not German. Is investigating 10 deaths in people uh, ranging in age from 70, 79 to 93. You guys probably heard about the also the the nursing home. Uh, where was that, honey? The facility. Oh yeah. Um, investigation to the deaths of twenty nine elderly people at a nursing home in New York, according yeah. to a, to a um, Gen Nine News report from Syracuse, a single nursing home in upstate New York vaccinated 193 residents beginning on December 22nd and subsequently reported 24 deaths within the span of a couple weeks. The facility attributed the deaths to a COVID-19 outbreak, even though there had been no COVID-19 deaths in any nursing home in the entire county. And also VAERS, you just... uh, uh, um, Share something uh, with me about VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, um, which that had 
a few deaths in there too for actually uh, people as young as uh, 18 years old. You, you know, I want to I want to mention something too. Uh, Hank Aaron, the uh, world famous baseball player, uh, eighty six years old. So he was in the news on January sixth, so just uh, a few weeks back, uh, because he received the COVID nineteen vaccine, and he hoped to inspire other Black Americans to do the same. And uh, they announced today that uh, Hank Aaron. Major League Baseball legend, he, he's dead at 86. He had both doses. Now, they're not saying, obviously, in mm-hmm. the article that he died of uh, uh, the vaccination, but, I mean, it's highly suspect that, uh, you know, here's a guy that uh, I think for all intents and purposes, he was in good health, and uh, he had both of those shots and uh, is, is passed away within uh, literally days of mm-hmm. the last shot. So, very yeah, very so- intriguing. Let's talk about the complications. Just a reminder on the symptoms of COVID-19 that keep um, broadening. But, you know, this is a disease that incubation period is said to be 1 to 14 days. The symptom onset is gradual. Common symptoms are fever, cough, fatigue. Sometimes you might get a runny nose. Sometimes you might get congestion. Sometimes you might get diarrhea. Sometimes your body hurts. Sometimes you get a sore throat, sometimes you have a headache, sometimes you lose your appetite. Shortness of breath is common. Respiratory issues are common. And if you look at the flu and the cold, very similar symptoms. Very similar. So, But the flu apparently is now eradicated. It's gone. I actually attended a party the other day because it's uh, with my mask on, obviously. No, but because uh, we were celebrating the eradication of the flu. So if you haven't done that, uh, you know, tip your glass because it's gone. And again, with a survival rate of uh, between 94 to 99.997%. But let's talk about the vaccine complications. Okay. Simone, uh, Simone Gold, uh, Dr. Simone yeah, Gold. Dr. Simone Gold, emergency care physician and the leader of the Americans, America's frontline doctors. Um, we're going to share their website it has a lot of good information there. Their mission statement, um, is empowering patients and physicians with independent evidence-based medicine. Um, so this website has several alternative protocols to treat COVID-19. And we're going to play a video from Simone Gold speaking about the vaccine complications. She's also got a law degree as well. So, so let's talk about these, what I call, I, I think it's most properly called experimental biological agents. You might hear me use that phrase Definitely you should not be calling this the COVID-19 vaccines. The reason is, whatever you call it, it's experimental. It's not been approved as a vaccine. It's currently in its investigational stage. It's been approved by, uh, the, I don't want to misspeak, which uh, the FDA, I assume, is the one who would approve it, but it's in an investigational stage only. AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. That's very important legally. If you were to be injured by something and it's an experimental stage, it's adjudicated under a particular standard. So what, what, is, what are the potential problems with this experimental biological agent? The first most obvious is that this is brand new technology. The first two that are coming to market use something called mRNA technology, which has never ever been used before for vaccines. 
this is when, when you hear a, a lot of the more kind of concerning and flamboyant issues, it's because people are very worried that this is brand new mRNA technology. I don't really go down that path, but what I can say is I don't really want to be the first person to take brand new things when it comes to medicine, right? You don't have to be a genius to say that. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is there's been a tremendous failure of previous coronavirus vaccines. This is not well known, but there are multiple coronavirus viruses out there. For example, in 2002, there was an epidemic, a much smaller one, but an epidemic of SARS-CoV-1. What we're in right now is SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-1 and SARS-CoV-2, by the way, you may have heard it called the novel coronavirus, are what we're in right now. I never understood that because this coronavirus is 78% identical to SARS-CoV-1. That's in fact, that's why it has the name SARS-CoV-2. <laughs> They're 78% the same. So prior coronavirus um, vaccine attempts have been made. They have failed. They can't do it safely in human beings. And I'm gonna talk more about that later. But just note that we've not been able to successfully overcome the, the human bodily hurdles that making a vaccine against a coronavirus has put up. Number three, there is no independently published animal studies. One of the companies d says they do have animal studies, but they haven't published any data on it. There's been a complete rush to put this to market, and you simply cannot do this safely without published data on animal studies, because animals often will die at the end, and unless we know that, we don't know if it's safe to give to humans. Okay, problem number four is known complications. One of the most commonly known complications of vaccines is something called, big science words coming up, guys, antibody-dependent enhancement. It's also sometimes called immune enhancement, and it's sometimes called pathogenic priming. What this is, is instead of really causing immunity, it causes a person to overreact in a negative way if they should ultimately be exposed to the virus. This thing called antibody-dependent enhancement or pathogenic priming, although you haven't heard of it, is well known to scientists. I like to say it has its own Wikipedia page. This is not fringe. This exists and this is real. The biggest problem with antibody-dependent enhancement, we see this with prior coronavirus vaccines. So when they were doing the studies with SARS-CoV-1 vaccine, back in 2005, they came up with a vaccine and they gave it to the ferrets and it was two-dosed like the ones today and the ferrets did fine after the first dose, they did fine after the second dose. Later they exposed them to the coronavirus SARS-CoV-1 in the wild and the ferrets died. That's why SARS-CoV-1 vaccine never came to market. Antibody-dependent enhancement. You can find all the information I'm discussing on americasfrontlinedoctors.com, vaccine information. Also, I'll get to at the end at the stopmedicaldiscrimination.org site. It has it there as well. Everything is well footnoted and referenced. So known complications include antibody-dependent enhancement and also some of the things you've seen in the news, like neurologic problems, like transverse myelitis, Bell's palsy, Guillain-Barre, et cetera. Those are known complications with vaccines that already exist. There's also a lot of issues with unknown vaccinations. I think what's going wrong on the other side is a, is, is a complete lack of respect for what you don't know. 
We don't know what we don't know until you discover it. I mean, these are the things parents teach their children. They don't know enough, right? So what are the potential unknowns? Well, something that I learned this year, actually in the last few months, which I was shocked because I never saw this anywhere in the newspaper, and I'd like a show of hands from anybody here who's heard of this before my mentioning it. Has anybody here heard of potential fertility problems with this vaccine? That's amazing, you guys. Congrats. I, I did not know this myself until about maybe two months ago. So I had to look into it. And by the way, the America's Frontline doctors put together 10 doctors working for more than a month to put together all this research. So there's a question if this vaccine, a biological agent, I should say, affects this thing called the syncytiotrophoblast, which is a layer on the placenta. Now, it does seem to do that when you're sick with COVID-19. The problem is that these mRNA vaccines kind of mimic having COVID-19 indefinitely. So while COVID-19 could be bad for the placenta and the baby, if you get it like in the middle of the pregnancy, eventually COVID-19 goes away and you go about your life and then you're good. There's a question if this type of experimental agent does that same negative effect to the syncytiotrophoblast layer of the placenta and it would do it indefinitely. This is not a conspiracy. As a scientist, I'm telling you, we don't know. We don't know. Scientists better than me, right? There's two guys in Europe that were ex-Pfizer executives that complained about this and filed a petition with the European equivalent of the FDA saying you've got to not approve this as an emergency experimental vaccine because we haven't answered the question on the antibody-dependent enhancement and we haven't answered the question on the placenta. It hasn't been answered, that it's dangerous to release this. And you have to put that together with what is the risk of even having this problem. Certainly in younger women, right? Women under 50, the survival, we said, per the CDC, is 99.98%. For that reason, America's Frontline Doctors feels very strongly that you cannot even offer this to women of childbearing age. So, and we'll get to our official recommendations at the end. But I put, we put that information under the category of what we don't know. We simply don't know. We don't know what the effect is permanently on the placenta. Another fact that is very concerning is that pharmaceuticals who manufacture these experimental biological agents are immune from all liability. So you probably, this group probably knows that, but I'm not saying that they have a negative motive. I think mostly they have a profit motive. I'm not saying they're trying to hurt people or kill people. What I am saying is that if you know that you could be sued and pay out millions of dollars every single time something goes wrong, you're really, really careful, okay? You're a little less careful if you know you're gonna be shielded from that liability, and they're completely shielded. So when people ask me, you know, am I gonna take the vaccine? Would I recommend my children take the vaccine? I said, it's, it's really irrational to take a brand new, untested, untried technology from a company that's completely shielded from immunity. When on the other hand, I've got a drug that's 65 years old, has been given billions of time, completely safe for all age groups, right? So she's commenting about like hydroxychloroquine at the end yeah. there. You know, you've got mm -hmm. this approved drug that has a good safety record, been around forever. So it's irrational to look at the vaccine, which has no real data, no track record, nothing. Uh, and uh, we haven't answered those questions around, you know, the fertility and uh, the uh, immune enhancement. Mm -hmm. So And we're going to post that talk. Yeah, that's a longer talk. I, I want to say that's 45 minutes or something like that mm -hmm. overall. But it I, was very informative. But again, 
here we consume the information and we provide it to you as we consume it from different sources and we encourage you to do your own research. I mean, those are really important issues. If you can sit down to buy a car and do a research on every single feature of the car, I mean, if you have time for that, take some time and invest, you know, invest that time in your health too and what's coming. Don't just take the word of the media or some high-ranking technocrats and well, and I, 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 I also implore you, <laughs> I implore you to, when you're out and about, pay attention to children in masks Yeah, and, and look at them, look at their eyes, look, look at, you know, do they seem detached? I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, I certainly see some kids that it doesn't seem like it's bothering, but I see a, a significant amount that seem very bothered by the fact that they have to have that on. And, and when I say bothered, I mean, uh, you know, they look a little depressed and whatnot. And so we just wonder what we're doing. We're not seeing that data yet as far as the impact. And so I think that's important. Yeah, but important. go for a direct experience. Watch mm-hmm. your own kids that go to school in mass all day. How are they faring? How are they doing? Yeah, yeah. And advocate for them because... Unfortunately, they can't advocate for themselves, you know. They don't have a voice and they don't have a choice in this issue. So as a parent, if you are a parent, you know, you have the duty yeah. to learn the data, look at the scientific basis for these these rules. Don't 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 just hand away your power to so called experts, you know. And follow the money. And follow the money. Always follow the money. All right, I think it's probably a good place to end. So, do you agree? Yes. All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us for another edition of the Collective Resistance Podcast with Leo and Fabiola. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay curious. That's right.